This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me, as usual, are Richard Halls. Hello, everyone. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. This week, we've got four main features. We're going to kick off with the latest film from Steve Lawson, Wrath of Dracula. Then we have uh, Mother May High. No, May High. Then we have Mother May I, followed by That's a Wrap and The Bellkeeper. Our short shot this week is Payday 3, Follow the Money. And we're going to round off with Bulletproof as our DTV throwback. So, without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film this week is Wrath of Dracula. Mina Harker embarks on a mission to rescue her husband Jonathan from Castle Dracula, assisted by the mysterious Professor Van Helsing. So... In many ways, guys, this is a pretty typical uh, Steve Lawson production. So, you know, he, he's taken a snippet of a well-known um, piece of literature and developed it into, you know, a, a decent length film within a certain budget constraint. But at the same time... I feel he's sort of pushing the envelope a bit with this one. You know, there there, there are sort of a, there's a bit of fl more flair to that than we've seen with some of his films. All of his films, they're, they're very decent productions. We, you know, we do enjoy them. Uh, they're well scripted, well well produced. But um, th this is starting to show. Uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit more flash, I think, is what I'm what I'm aiming for here. Steve, what flash. what did you think of this one? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like the first ones we watched, uh, I think it was Ripper's Revenge, mm. and Rip, I really Ripper enjoyed Untold. that. Yeah, Ripper Untold was the first one. Ripper Untold, sorry, that was yeah. it. And like I said, at that time, I really enjoyed that one. Mm. Um, the last few, I think, have been a bit flat. Um, I wasn't really getting enjoyment out of them. It was just very same, you know, like one, two room settings and stuff like that. This one, he's definitely upped his game. Um, there's actually makeup and special effects and, and a fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'll be honest, the fight scene was the only thing that kind of let, let it down for me a bit. Mm. I don't, I don't know why, but the fight scene, it just seemed to be more comedic than anything. You know, between Mina and the <clears throat> the bride, it just mm -hmm. seemed... It, 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 it made me laugh. It was comedic. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's just how it seemed. Mm. But I thought the performances were really good. The story's pretty good as well. I know, I know it does stray from the, you know, the Dracula novel and stuff like that, but it does work out well, and I actually really enjoyed this one. Even the makeup effects and stuff like that were great. Uh, and he does seem to be not aware he's got a bit more budget with this one, or he's just improving naturally. Hmm. And because even like you know the end credits, he, with the, like, the behind the scenes bits and stuff like I that. I thought that was a really good touch. Yeah, I mm. thought that was a really good yeah. touch having that in there. Yeah. Um, Rich, I think this is the first time as well that you know the um, the, the music has, has sort of made me sit up and pay attention as well. Right from the off, you know, the opening credit sequence, um, sort of the music over the top, it it just had a bit more sort of bombast to, to, to than uh, you might expect. So how, how do you get? Is, on with is that one? the? Is it? Does it open with the song "Last to Fall"? Is it the, the does it is it the song that opens the film or is it no, is that, it, does that come in later? Because the song really made quite an impression on me. They, they yeah. it, it appears at some point 
Is that the training montage? Oh, it might have been the training montage, yeah. And then they uh, reprise it in the end credits and stuff. But yeah, the the music's got quite bombastic on the the opening. Yeah, so it's um, the... as usual, it's kind of sourced music, uh, and at, at the end credits, there's like um, there's like six different uh, groups or individuals who the music has come from. Mm. Um, say the one of them being William Van der Grommet, who did the say Last of All song, which I thought was really good, um, and worked really nicely in the film. Uh, this uh, it, it's an interesting one because it's it's. Uh, the cycle of these sort of period, you know, uh, uh, literature-based and other sort of historical sort of period, but mainly the sort of the literature-based stuff, really goes back to um, uh, his film Bram Stoker's Van Helsing, hmm. uh, which was made. It, it wasn't the first sort of historical one because because he'd done Haunting of Alcatraz before that, but it was the first one sort of going going into the sort of um, you know recognizable characters and stuff let's say the ip sort of stuff um but as it would have been referred to if if it was written now but the um the interesting thing because i unfortunately i still haven't seen bram stoker's van helsing Mm. um but i was i did look i was look aware that uh mark topping who played van helsing in that film has reprised the role here so my natural inclination was to check is it a sequel is it a direct sequel um, or a sequel in any sense? And Creative Studios um, set, uh, stated quite clearly that it's not a sequel. Um, so you don't need to have seen the previous one or whatever. It's not connected. It's sort of going off in a different direction. So I'd be interested. To, I'm more interested, even more interested now to go back and watch that film to sort of compare the, the pre, uh, what, what Van Helsing is like in, the, in, in that film compared mm. to this one. It might be exactly the same. It might just be the other aspects that are changed. But um, there was uh, there's things like uh, Charlie Bond was in uh, Van Helsing, I believe, and, and, a li- and there's, she's got like a, a picture cameo in this one, um, which again is, I guess, is another reference to it. Um, so, yeah, what we've got here this time is a film that injects a bit more action into proceedings uh with a nod to because so you've already got the sort of nod to hammer horror uh going on which is also probably i think it's a bit more uh the hammer influence has sort of hung over a a few of them lately but probably this more than any other um but also uh legend of the seven golden vampires which was the um the sort of collaboration i think it was with shaw brothers Hammer did it with them. Um, yeah, I think like, well, it was either Shaw Brothers or Golden Harvest. I can't remember which. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't say for sure which it was, but it was quite a, a dis- you know, mm. it was a distinctive sort of experiment of the time because nobody really was really doing that kind of thing, and um, it still is quite a, you know, a unique, unique film, and um, and so yeah, so we got some martial arts incorporated now. It kind of works and it kind of doesn't because it was like um, they, all the stuff is in there like you would expect, like training montage and isn't everything as well as thing we mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, which is all good. But she's training herself, so it's like Van Helsing is like almost you would be the instructor, but he just chucks a book at her. <laughs> she just <laughs> she just practices from the book, which I don't think it would be that. Easy. But you have to sort of suspend a lot of disbelief, which is fair enough. Um, but it's a nice idea, um, and I think um, uh, our, our lead actress, uh, Hannah Bang Ben, Han- Hannah Bang Ben's. I'm going to say Hannah because it's, it's mm. Hannah with a J. But I'm, pre- I'm presuming it's pronounced Hannah. I might be completely wrong. I apologise if that's wrong. Um, she d- she does well with it. Um, she's got a f- quite a few projects going on at the moment. There's a film called I Am Rage, which I, we're all quite keen yep. to see, mm-hmm. uh, which is a proper full on. A revenge movie that she's done um but uh here she is nina harker uh, who was played by a different actress in the same in the in bram stoker's van helsing as it's called from uh, from a couple of years ago um and we've got sean cronin as dracula now i like i quite like sean cronin because he's one of those guys who was just born to play a bad guy <laughs> he's just yeah. he's just so, he's just got i mean i know it's um uh, it's all imaged and shortcut, you know. Um, you know, you base a lot of, you can do a lot of short uh, shortcut if if your actor looks a certain way that's going to elicit a response from the audience. So um, 
Sean Cronin is actually actually just always looks like a really scary guy. <laughs> I'm hoping it, you know, he might be lovely in real life, but he's mm. he's he's a re he's a really sort of fearsome looking fella. Uh, he turned up in I believe Mission Impossible Fallout. He did, uh, and he's and he's done all yep. sorts of other stuff. But I, I think it was Fallout that I saw him in, which was uh, uh, which I was just trying to double check that which one it was, but whether I could find it, I'm sure he was, was in. I think it was Rogue Nation. It was Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation sorry. Yeah, so I because I, I watched it again recently. I was watching them all recently, and I was like, I I didn't I'd forgotten he was in it because I, I probably I didn't know I wasn't aware of him as much as I have been in like the last couple of years. So therefore, seeing him turn up, I was like, oh, it's him. <laughs> so that's, that's a great great role. Um, anyway, yeah, I was going to say yeah. this isn't his first Steve Lawson film either. Uh, no, no, I don't think yeah. so. Can you remind me what he's done with him before? He was in the Fourth Musketeer. Oh uh, yes, Richard, yes, Cardinal Richelieu, yes. Of course, no, he was. Ro Ro Rochefort, the um, Rochefort, sorry, yeah, the Christopher Lee character, basically. Right, right. <laughs> so, was, oh, is he? so he's yeah. so he's basically gone from a Christopher Lee character to a Christopher Lee character. Yeah, which yeah, is interesting. That's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah. So the um, the film say the the martial arts element is quite interesting. I don't think it quite pays off i mean uh much steve lawson's filmmaking career started with martial arts films or martial arts action films i should say um alongside people like uh, boss boyas hmm. he and uh, and he he did um some you know sort of micro budget films did one called uh the silencer with glenn salvage who yep. was later in uh essex heist and mm -hmm. and i think some other things i think actually was in Saltwater as well, as pro so he's like a frequent collaborator, um, and yeah, he kind of went away from the action stuff and went into horror. Um, there was like a few years gap, and then he was sort of very much focused on the horror. And um, this is kind of his first sort of real sort of return to bringing that back into his films, which I, I think is quite interesting. Um, definitely gives it a, a, a little bit more of a uh, a different angle because um, we're. You know, I like the sort of drawing room kind of conversational thrillers that he's been doing with with the Ripper movies and such. Um, in which case, you know, the, the recent Ripper movie, there was a recent Ripper film, which was a sequel to um, to the yeah, um, yeah Ripper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like I like I like that style. I think he's got a really I think, you know, this is definitely still with in keeping in, you know, following in that footstep. You know, he's he's going to some. Uh, they're filming on their studio, which I think is in Leicester, um, uh, and a, then they they film film on location in uh, you know like historical locations, and they sort of combine that together and they add in uh, sort of stock establishing footage as well to yeah. sort of you know there's the sort of big there's the uh, the landscapes of the of like all the trees and stuff which um, sort of really uh, I think. Uh, uh, conveys the sort of location quite well, and then there's a, I think it, it was almost like, like almost the castle almost looked like a matte painting or something, you know. It was a really very distinctive um, uh, presentation of the, of the castle there, rather than just showing an old house or something. They've really gone mm. to to actually try and make it look, you know, within their budget limitations and stuff. Uh, so you got all the stuff going on with. Uh, Mina and Van Helsing, which is quite nicely developed. It all takes place over uh, about uh, you know, a usual running time, just under 80 minutes. And say the martial arts stuff doesn't quite pay off, I don't think, especially at the climax, because it's like you're, I'm, I was almost, I was waiting for like a big scene, and, and it and it's and it's very very brief, uh, unfortunately. But you know that's fair enough. Um, say it's, it, I think say you get that earlier confrontation which which provide you know with the um the bride of dracula mm -hmm. um you get more of a more of an action scene there but um and yeah the, and who knows we may get more uh mm -hmm. so the, the uh, there's, there's a, you know there's a few little indications and um yeah so overall uh wasn't i was on board i was i was keen to see it and i wasn't disappointed I really like this one. Um, yeah, so, so what was the last time we saw? That was Ripper's Revenge, I think, wasn't it? Uh, no, or the, the Mummy. Wasn't the Mummy in between? I think I think I it might remember. have been Ripper's Revenge was the last we, one. We, yeah. I know there's been a few. We did the Mummy. We did uh, the Highwoman. Um, mm. 
Mm. The fourth Musketeer, as, as, as we mentioned, uh, the, um, the Jekyll and Hyde one. So, so you know, yeah. we, we've which is another one I really, I really did like Jekyll yeah. and Hyde one. I, I, I know Steve well. didn't think much of that, but but this one, you know, I mean, we, we the quality is it has always been there. You know, the quality of the writing and being able to work within a a sort of very specific budget and you know punch above their weight basically in in, in terms of production values i think but i yeah, think they're a small team i think steve lawson might have even choreographed and you know caught, mm. sorted all the martial arts stuff out itself because i couldn't see any sort of stunt people mm. or, unless i was missing i was i was i mean the, the credits are uh typically padded out you basically get the cast mentioned like three times like at the mm. end they met they do the cast credits and then they do them again oh. and then uh, and basically everyone gets an because there's so few people in the crew yeah they basically everyone gets their which is great for if, you, if you're part of the film you get your you get your everyone, name on the whole screen <laughs> it's like what's, for whatever role you've done yeah. but i couldn't unless i blinked and missed it i didn't see a, a stunt coordinator or or anything mm. or a trainer mentioned so it, it could have been based on you know steve's uh, Lawson's experience with that stuff in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd managed the whole that that side of things himself, as he seems to manage. I mean, you watch the you know the the making of stuff at the end. He was you know he just gets stuck in with all of it. He was putting on the putting on the blood and you know the range and thing. He was he was you know he's he's quite a hands on director. Uh, and I get and I think you probably have to be when you when you're working, you know, in this you know. Um, you know, in this sort of very low budget sort of, mm. you know, it, it, I pro it's probably micro budget, but because it's done so well, it doesn't feel micro budget. Exactly. You know, I think, yeah, yeah. exactly. The, I mean, there are a couple of um, narrative moments where they've had to be incredibly brief with, with certain things, like um, the, the fate of one particular character is is very much glossed over. It's like, oh, about that person is like, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you know, considering what the mission is, it's like, oh, okay, you know, let's move move on. Um, which is a bit silly. But what what I did like as well was was the idea of like, well, I, well, if we're gonna say vampires exist, why not say werewolves exist as well? You know, and try and you know, there's, there's that possibility of a a sequel where we we, we see sort of Nina and, and Van Helsing having more adventures together. You know, I don't see why not. There's an interesting partnership yeah. uh, between the two of like sort of mentor and uh, student kind of, kind of thing. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hinted at that they might go after after werewolves. You know, yeah, yeah, it, exactly. you know, I like that. So uh, yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do. Yeah. That'd be really cool. And you know, I think as we said, you know, add, adding that sort of behind-the-scenes footage over the credits also gave it a bit more oomph. It's it's like, yeah. look, we actually properly filmed stuff for this film. <laughs> you know, it wasn't shot on an iPhone or something. This is a proper bloody yeah. camera and sets and everything. You know, um, I think I think that in itself gives it production value. You know, does... I think that's again a nod to you know because of the martial arts element. That's, a, Could be. that's like yeah, a whole, a that's the Jackie Chan, Chan thing, that, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, the, as you say, you know, the look of the film it has got a bit of sort of a hammer um, feel to it. You know, in, in the lighting and the set dressing and that. Um, you know, the way the brides move. Uh, where, they, where they hold their hands up and stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's all very reminiscent of that. And and reminiscent of the original Evil Dead as well, funny enough. Um, yeah. Sort of the way they move, sort of very sort of like, you know, sort of stuttery kind of thing. It works really well. Um, okay, so scores on the doors. Steve? I'll give it an eight. Mm -hmm. And Rich? I'm, I'm, I really liked it, I'm, I'm, but I'm not quite an eight. I'm going to go with seven. I'm joining Steve on an eight. I think this is probably the best one we've seen for a while. So two eights and a seven for Wrath of Dracula. Go check it out. Our next film is Mother May I. When Anya starts behaving like her fiancé's recently deceased mother... Emmett must confront his deepest traumas to free his fiancée from this bewildering possession. Uh, unfortunately, guys, I only caught the first 10 minutes of this, uh, which is, had Emmett sort of picking up the ashes uh, 
of his um, his deceased mum and taking her back to the house. I, I, I see he inherits his mum's house and they stay there for a while. And I imagine weird shit starts happening, Steve. Um, I don't know. It's one of them. Basically, they, they you know they get there, start tidying up. Get some magic mushrooms, go on the go, and then she just starts starts acting weird. She just like <sighs> dresses up as her and starts being a bitch, basically, mm. which forces him to go through trauma. And you know, she was like abandoned. He was abandoned in the past when he was a kid and stuff like that. And but they just I don't know. There's nothing there really. They just. Mm sit and talk to each other or she'll go swimming when she, you know, she doesn't swim. And then the ending is just, oh, just absolute annoyance. Because the, the thing is, they're not, both of them are not likeable characters hmm. in a way. It's one of them, you know. I mean, you get like the neighbour coming over um, who seems like a nice guy, you know, takes him into town and stuff like that and helps him out. But apart from that, it really is just a double-header sort of everything. And it's not... When it's explained, I don't think it's particularly supernatural or anything like that. It's all about hipster trauma and stuff like that. And it's just... It's a bit pointless, really. <laughs> There's nothing substantial there at all. Hmm. Okay. As Rich, uh, similar opinion, or uh, did he get something more out of this? Uh, I think I probably got a little bit more out of it, but it is um, it's it's kind of mixing different type, different genres. Well, different genres to an extent, but you know, it's it's uh, it is quite on the surface standard com standard common standard horror stuff. So right. it's a couple go to a house, spooky stuff starts happening. You know, it, it's you know, amateur horror or whatever you you choose. Um, uh, things like um, then you've got the sort of uh, navel gazing is the right term, but you know, sort of introspective yeah. um, element. I, I guess there was you know, like we had the uh, I think it was called Faye, which was the woman who'd lost her husband, and she goes to to a cabin. Or a, or a, oh know, yeah, goes away to that. home. Yeah, that was place. literally a one, wasn't it? Basically, yeah. yeah, and there was um, there's been a few others. Mm -hmm. I think there was a short film that we covered, um, which was also about someone sort of going away and sort of isolating yeah, themselves and whatever, and it being yeah. So it was it's it's kind of got that stuff going on, but it's all and it's also but. And say it's sort of new, not new age, because it's not. I mean, we talked about um, summoning the spirit recently, mm -hmm. which was a couple, you know, having a, you know, having a difficult time with their relationship, going out into sort of, the, you know, and in that case, they uh, encounter um, a group, group, you know, with their wild ideas and all this sort of stuff. And in this case, it's just the couple, and they've already got their kind of, I, you know, these ideas and things that they're working on, uh, mainly due to, I think, the wife. Um, who's you know like into sort of psychology and and um, different approaches to yeah, that sort of thing. So there's right, that was it, yeah. And so there, a lot of it is it's a relate. It's all about their relationship. The whole film is about their relationship. It's one of those films where it's about the relationship, mm -hmm. and everything else is sort of added into that. So it's like it's this couple, but then his mother is in the way. She's not there. But she's like ever present. Is she is she there as a as a spirit? Um, you know, because he's he's got abandonment issues. Um, is she, or, or is she just there because you know um, the the memory or the hope or, or whatever is, is sort of lingering over them? But then it, there's there's a physical manifestation of that in you know the, uh, the transformation of uh, the, the of the wife. Um, is is that a literal possession? Or is it something? Is it something else? I think it's you know open to interpretation, especially because the film is set up with this. All you know, it's it's introducing all these psychological ideas. So therefore, how much can you trust is 
real or psychological or, or say the effect of psychotropic substances or whatever which are say a, a sort of a trigger point for the for the what happens in the film um it's really it looks really good uh you know it's it's a really quality film uh size um the main actor in it is kyle gulner who's who i've recognized in various things but he's he's been in smile and scream recently oh, yeah. uh but the neighbor guy the old the old neighbor who sort of comes along and you know, because he he knew his mother and stuff, and so uh, he remembers her living, you know, living there, and sort of can relate a bit to talk about a bit about that experience of what she was like and stuff, and uh, sort of befriends them. Uh, that he's played by Chris Mulkey, who I'm a big fan of, a great character actor, turns up in all sorts of stuff since the um, well, I remember seeing him in a whole bunch of stuff in the 1980s, but you know, his filmography is absolutely massive, um, so. I enjoyed seeing him. Quite a substantial role for him as well, really, compared to what I mean. You know, he does a lot of stuff that I haven't seen, but um, uh, from from you know from not seeing him very often, uh, it was nice to see because you know he turns up in all sorts of characters. Anyway, um, he's good. And then we've got um, uh, I think it is Holland Roden playing uh, his wife, uh, and she 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 ha she has the hardest job in the in the film because she has to transform uh into essentially a different person she's been in films like uh, escape room tournament of champions and um the uh <clears throat> um uh, teen wolf tv series oh yeah um which was i think originally made for mtv i don't know if it left mtv and went anywhere else but i think originally did it or maybe it was maybe it came on cw I, i've just got yeah. this memory of, for some reason that it was something yeah i think you're right MTV. i think you're right. It, it did start on mtv uh-huh yeah. um yeah so it's 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 I, I mean i can't say i loved it but i was i was intrigued and interested in it but I, and i wasn't massively frustrated Although I could see how, you know, it is a film that could easily frustrate. Yeah. Um, I think it just about hangs on, just about yeah, just about hangs on by a thread. I think from from tipping over into sort of self indulgent and and um, unappealing. But uh, yeah, I will say it's uh, it's all right. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, written directed by Lawrence Vanishelli, uh, Vanishelli, uh, who's who's um, you know, done a few things before. Nothing, nothing I've seen. Uh, interesting short. Well, there's a fil short film I like the look of that he did called Body of Crime. But um, so yeah, I'll check out some more of more of his work. But yeah, based on this, I want I I I would want something a bit more mainstream. But I think it tells you what it is going in. I think you know within the first few minutes. You know, you see those credits in that sort of 1970s style and. Uh, the, the unusual opening i think that's i think it's going for that sort of 70s horror sort of um uh, yeah. rosemary's baby sort of period so i think if you like that sort of stuff i think this this is the this is probably the film for you if you like sort of mainstream horror blumhouse sort of thing then this you're probably no, not going to get on with this. More, more a24 kind of thing mm. yeah i think that's fair to say yeah okay how are we going to score it steve I'll give it a five. I'm going to um, give it a six. Okay, a five and a six for Mother May I. Go check it out. Our next film is That's a Rat. Mason Maestro has just directed what he considers to be his masterpiece, a film titled That's a Wrap. The cast arrive at the studio excited to celebrate what they have just created, but they aren't the only ones there. Someone has dressed up as Mistress, the slasher in the film, and has decided to make the art real by staging their own highly stylized kill scenes. One by one, the cast disappear until the true nature of the evening is revealed. Uh, you guys know um, that one of the things, one of the sort of subgenres I enjoy is horror movies set in and around film. You know, yeah. um, we've talked about this before with, with films like Greenlight and, and um, a couple of others. 
Um, and 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 this doesn't disappoint in in that re uh, regard either. So you know, there's this sort of um, low budget sort of slasher movie that this guy Mason Maestro, who looks the spitting image of Brian Cranston, it has to be said. Um, and you know, he 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 really does think this is his masterpiece. He's even cut the the, the teaser trailer himself, and and you know, thinks it's amazing. Um, and it's all set at this after party, basically, and people sort of wander off and die, and you know, it takes ages for anyone to realise what's going on as usual. But there's a lot of nods to the art of filmmaking as well, especially the art of making a a, a slasher film, um, and and it does get nicely meta. For example, there's an actress at the beginning of the film who is is probably you know as far as the fictional film goes she's probably the most recognizable character yeah so recognizable actress in the film of the film um and she's the first to die she's the first to die in the film and she's the first to die in real life sort of thing um you know there's mm. there's other sort of nods as, as as it goes along um there's some very sort of arch dialogue that certain people say and you know you can get a lot of meaning from it but there's a there's a good exchange with the director where he's talking about editing and he's saying like you know oh the um you know the art of good editing is knowing when to transition for, to the next scene and it immediately cuts to the next scene <laughs> you know the sort of things like that it's fun um unfortunately it is the editing i think which lets it down a bit um, there's a, there's a a monologue scene at the end when we get the sort of big reveal as to who's doing what, and it it goes on forever. You know, it's it's such a long scene. It's like it needs to be half the length of what it is. Um, you know, one character slowly dying and having to listen to this monologue at the same time is is basically what the scene is. And they even reference the Roy Batty tears in the rain moment in in blade runner mm -hmm. um you know it's like no, it needs to be shorter it needs to be shorter than what it is but um i did enjoy it overall i thought the ending was a little bit mean-spirited to be honest but there is a lot to like to it overall um yeah so on that note i'm giving this a seven out of ten it's a shame you guys didn't get to catch it mm. Yeah, it sounds quite interesting. It is. It's low budget, you know, and it shows at times um, the sort of sparsity of the cast this, uh, this after after party. They do sort of mention it as well. One of the characters is sort of complaining, there's not many people here, is there? Sort of thing, <laughs> you know. It's like, well, yeah, it's a low budget film, is, is the answer. So it's quite amusing. It covers itself quite well. So there you go. That's, that's a wrap. Uh, seven out of ten. Go check it out. Our next film is The Bell Keeper. A group of friends travel to a secluded campsite to film a documentary. What they find is something much more sinister than they could ha have ever imagined. Um, there is a point in this at the beginning when, when they're sort of loading up the RV and I'm sort of doing a head count. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. So there's only four people here. Traditionally, there's five for this sort of film. And then sure enough, <laughs> the next scene is this woman hitchhiking and sort of searching for her, her missing brother. But there we go, number five. <laughs> this, the setup for this is very rogue. It's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what it is. <laughs> it, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre by way of Scooby-Doo. Is, yeah. is the setup because we got this great pro prologue of Randy Couture, who is brilliant in the film. I really liked him in this. Um, you know, dispatching the, the, these these teens. Um, but this this is one of these films which which turns things on its head quite nicely, um, and, and it does sort of come down to the, that that hot thing that I like, which is you know, people doing bad things for the right reasons sort of thing, you know, for the oh, greater yeah, yeah. good and all that sort of stuff. And it, it, in that regard, it reminded me of a film called The Shrine with um, 
I think it was Sean Ashmore or Aaron Ashmore, one of the two. Oh yeah. And, and their girlfriend, they find this, end up getting lost in the fog in the, in like some Eastern European country. Yeah, I think it's I think it's in Poland or something. Like that. Might be Poland, and um, they, they, she comes across this statue in, in the thing, and ever since then, you know, because she sort of found the statue, you know, the villagers are out to get a sort of thing. Uh, but it turns out yeah. there's more to it, you know, and, and that's kind of what we get here. There's sort of more to what's going on, um, which, which I liked. I thought, okay, that brings something a bit different to it. And, and it's sort of, you know, it, it plays with your expectations of what's going on. It, it, it's almost as if Leatherface becomes the good guy, you know. Yes. So, yeah. I would say that's, which, yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, Steve, how did you get on with um, Chainsaw Massacre meets Scooby-Doo? See, I, I'll be honest, I kind of thought it was more Evil Daddy. Yeah, it is very. It, it starts out as Texas Chainsaw, then it turns yeah. into Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very I'll evil be honest, Dead. I enjoyed the first 45 minutes. And, you know, like I said, the prologues and getting to those people. The thing that let it down for me was the horror parts. Um, I just don't think it went anywhere. It wasn't scary. Um, the makeup was quite poor. Um, and you could, I could see the, the, the twist coming from a mile off, you know, where Randy Couture's there and he, he just tell what, what we're going to, what the twist was going to be with him. And, you know, he's not the bad guy, he's the good guy type thing. And it, I just think it let itself down in the second half. I really did. Because like the first half I thought was great. Really enjoyed getting to know. I mean, obviously, you know, the bit, you know, the jock, the knobhead, you know, the dweeb. And you know, all the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, so on. And the stereotypes were there, but I actually thought they had good chemistry, especially the, um, you know, the main lad and the, and the girl, mm-hmm. even though <clears throat> I thought the best line in it is, I don't like Dick. <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. that that bit had me rolling, but then it gets to the horror part of it, and it just didn't work. There's, I mean, there's a couple. It's not scary. The makeup's terrible. I thought the gore bits were actually done quite well. You know, the the, the decapitations and stuff like that, and the story works quite well. But it just let it. The horror elements completely let it down for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Rich, over to you. What did you make of um, the Bellkeeper? I've been looking forward to seeing it because I know a, a bit, a bit of the work by the director Colton Tram. He, he's he's worked across features. At, I mean, he's an actor as well, but he, he's worked across features and shorts, uh, and he's done a couple of, um, uh, for example, there's a there's a short called Eight Bodies that he would that he did with uh, uh, Jeanette McCurdy. Uh, which is a lot of fun, and that's he, he he sort of do, he does do a lot of horror stuff, but he also does sort of comedy and stuff. And eight say eight bodies is is a is a comedy with a, with a bit of sort of horror element in it. This is this is him doing like a, a full on horror movie, and yeah, it is it it it's I say I feel bad because like so many to say horror movies are derivative is like par for the course a lot of time. I mean, so yeah. many of them are stuff we've seen a million times before but for some reason now if it's made nowadays i just feel i, I roll my eyes a little bit more than i, I perhaps would have in the you know let's say in the 80s you watch ev- every single film you watch has the same plot for example like a slasher movie and it, and it didn't it didn't i i didn't feel like that really bothered me when i was growing up and watching sort of like when watching them in the 80s and 90s that sort of stuff uh, there was a sort of familiarity and you sort of like, in, like you know enjoy the conventions and stuff but then this comes along and it's just like and it happens in big budget movies as well it's just like oh this is so unoriginal it's like we you know all the thing but the, i think this is sort of going a sort of a fine line between paying homage and just ripping off and being unoriginal um so i'm i'm pretty sure it's very much intentionally trying to evoke Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Evil mm-hmm. Dead films. And Scooby-Doo. Um, yeah, and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, it is trying to do so. It's a, so the, the plot, plot does veer around. Uh, as you say, we've got an, 
uh, a protagonist who you know we get the meet cute between the guy and the girl but yeah. that relationship's not going to work <laughs> uh, which was quite nice so there's like these little twists and that that they put on it um and uh let's say uh the introduction of even the introduction of randy couture's character at the start it, it's 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 it, it's comical because he's he's got like this catchphrase of you rang the bell you know yeah. <laughs> it's just like you rang the bell just so I, was, I was sort of sniggering a little bit at it but as it goes on, I was actually the opposite. Uh, you know, in the, by the time you get to the second half of the film, I was actually more fully on board. Uh, I felt it sort of it it didn't shake off its influences and stuff. I mean, you still you go through you you got the the characters they inter you know establishing them. You know, they're quite obnoxious, and then they meet they, they meet up with a sort of an outsider character, and and then we got the uh, you know the they go to a a petrol station or whatever and then there's a warning of you know or, you yeah. know you're all doomed and all that sort of stuff um but then once once things shift uh, i thought it handled its stuff quite well there's i mean there's even a, I, i'd say the texas chainsaw but there's even a bit where he picks up a chainsaw and that, like the screen links on it yeah. so i think it's very clearly just sort of paying homage there um but yeah, I thought it worked well. The only thing I will say about the horror, which I did think worked fine, was that a lot of the kills and stuff were off screen. So you get, you know, decapitation or, or whatever it is, but you don't actually see the impact. I think that's a budgetary limitation they must have had. Of, you know, we, we cut away and then we see like the aftermath or, or whatever, but um, but we don't actually see like connection um, uh, in 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 any case well any or many i say i don't remember seeing any but i do remember a lot of um basically seeing everything uh which some which sometimes i'm fine with but sometimes it bugs me because it's just like i, I want to sit you're, you're you're cutting away at the bit that i'm sort of feel like we're here to see a little bit i know it's a bit, you know, but that's what horror movies are so um the yeah so cast cabin in the woods i think was an influence as well to a degree especially with the stoner character um, who's kind of, who kind of sort of steps into the sort of lead role? Um, yeah, so it's fine. It's made. To, I was sort of talking about earlier about the mother may I and you know the Blumhouse crowd won't get that one. I think the Blumhouse crowd are more, more likely to be interested in this one. I don't. Obviously, it's not going to deliver in the same way as a big budget Blumhouse production, but it's got that same familiarity and you know the same sort of characters and stuff. So I think out of the two horror movies this week, this one's the more accessible one. Much yeah. more accessible. Yeah, I enjoyed this, I must admit. I, I, you know, I, I must admit, I thought at the beginning, okay, I can see where this is going. You know, like, like I said, yeah, five protagonists, here we go, typical sort of thing. Um, but then it, it surprised me, you know, um, the whole thing with the bell and what it does and you know there's no build-up it's like well you fucked with the belt so you know, yeah well, there's a bit, it reminded me again also we we watched um she came from the woods recently which was mm -hmm. again similar kind of you're messing with forces you don't understand kind of yeah um you know the, in that case they were doing like a ritual thing weren't they and this is in a similar way you know they're like oh don't ring the bell it's like yeah we've got to ring the bell it's like well you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna reap the well, it's, the consequences. It, it's, it's one of those things where, like tempting fate, isn't it? I mean, yes, it, yeah. the whole thing with like, Blair Witch was, was, was you know, it, all that sort of stuff. Like, well, there's, there's apparently a witch living in these woods. Let's make a documentary yeah. about her and disappear. Well, that's why I think in this they've got that camera crew sort of yeah. we're making a documentary element as well. Yeah. So they're all little touchstones. Yeah. All, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. How are we going to score it? Over to Steve. I'll give it a. Ooh, no, I'm going to say it. A six, so, okay. I got six. Six. All right. Um, I feel like I've put words in your mouth there, but never mind. Um, <laughs> and Rich? I think, it's a, I think it's a solid enough seven. Yeah. I I think it it's, it does save itself. I, I I do kind of agree with Steve a little bit, and, and yourself. You know, you mentioned the fact that the kills are off screen for, for the most part. I think the opening bit, I thought they, you know, there there is a good sort of like, decapitation right at the start and unfortunately they, they don't sort of keep that up unfortunately um but having said that you know the i think it works i think the i think randy's character is really good um you know the, 
it more or less works overall. It's entertaining. I could have done with a better, you know, it's it's not just the makeup effects. It's the acting of being possessed or whatever it is. You know, mm. I think I think that somebody needs to sort of like have words on a general level. So come up with something else, you know, yeah. all the same sort of stuff. But anyway, yeah, but still enjoyable. So I, I agree it's a seven. Uh, so two sevens and a six for the bellkeeper. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is Payday 3, Follow the Money. This is a promo film for the game Payday 3. In this, a gang of armed robbers storm a bank and proceed to rob it. And that's it. As as James Khan would say, that's the tweet. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's short, it's brief, but it does exactly what it says on the tin, and it does it very well. I think it's filmed impeccably. Um, you know, the, the look of it, it, it's almost as if it's like Michael Mann's Heat or, or, or the, um, you know, the bank job at the beginning of The Dark Knight. It, it, it's got that sort of level of production sheen to it. You know, this isn't some penny ante little bank. This is like the bank in the city kind of thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's grand. You know, there's a sense of grandeur about the place. It's, it's, it's really, really well done. Uh, Steve, what did you make of it? Yeah, um, it's a Ron Seal shot for me. Mm. Like I said, does what it says on the tin. Um, it's just a bank heist, but it's, it's done very well. Uh, Tatted very well. Um, some, even like, just the little bit at the end, you know, when um, Ice, Ice T turns up. <laughs> yeah, yeah I thought I was, that was pretty, pretty, pretty decent as well. <laughs> um, yeah, it just reminds me of the dark, beginning of the dark night, to be fair. A bit more, a bit more swearing. That's, that's about it, really. Yeah, I, I, I really like it. It's um, I have played one of the payday games, or at least a demo of it, a, a while ago, and and the masks that the robbers are using, you know, are the same ones that you see yeah. in the game. So, but um, yeah, well, the masks the mask were pretty, pretty real. To, I say real to life, but it's not. Is it real to the computer game? So yeah. Indeed. Yeah, they're not the dead presidents or anything. Um, no. Anyway, uh, Rich, over to you. This one just dropped the other day, I believe. Yeah, so um, uh, the uh, I think a lot of you know, there's a lot of video games sort of coming out soon, and you know, that every now and again, uh, some of the especially like PlayStation ones, they like to um, drop an, uh, a live action sort of mm. pro, a prologue. Kind of, uh, we've seen. Um, I don't know if they're all PlayStation, Ooh, but we've Mark, covered. Well, there's a Far Cry one that was that was. Excellent. There was a Far Cry one, and um, there was um, also um, that was quite a long one actually. That was like yeah. 25 minutes, but the uh, game we did, I really like. I forgot what it's called. Seafood was a really good one that we covered. Seafood, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a fantastic little sh- um, mm. prologue short, and also there's uh, there was Battleground or something like that. Uh, I can't remember if it's called Bat. It's something Battleground, Battle something. Mm. Um, anyway, there's a few of these, that, and they, they sometimes elicit in you know enlist um, you know big names and whatever in, in to them. This one is uh, we don't. It's one of those ones where there's no credits, so I I don't know who the actors are. <laughs> I don't know mm. apart from recognizing uh, Ice T at the end in his cameo, which I guess was a reveal for like he's going to be in the game. Um, it's uh, it's. I don't really know, you know, it will come, I'm sure it will come out, but it's, uh, I, I wasn't able to find out who the director was or anything like that. Uh, so it's all quite anonymous in the same way as a, as a commercial would be. So, um, yeah, I, I would actually, con- con- I, I thought it was good, but I do concur that it, it does, it did essentially feel like the opening sort of a bank a robbery in that sort of dark night mo- mo- or, or, or like you say, point break sort of mode. Um, with uh you know the the novelty of the is like we're following a little bit we're following this uh stack this um stack of bills uh in you know this bundle and you know it, it lands one place and then someone picks up and moves and we follow some different characters sort of trying to interact with it and, I thought, uh, I thought which is also a device that. we've seen on loads of things there was a film called 20 bucks which was like a um an anthology 
story about you know uh, you know one story involves some somebody and they get the money and then they pass it on to somebody else and then we follow them for a while and then they pass on the money. Hmm. So yeah, sorry. What were you going to say, Mike? I was, I was going to say I thought I thought that stack of money was going to be one of the ones with the die pack in it as well. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the um, so yeah, it's uh, it it you know there's there's no meat on the bone. Unfortunately, it is literally just like an action scene, uh, sort of um, without any characterization apart from hmm. say so I was quite surprised with all the swearing and stuff, um, um, but. Uh, my, my son actually, because I mentioned it to him, I said, like, "Oh, don't watch it, or whatever." It's a bit, you know, got a bit of swearing in it. But he plays Call of Duty and stuff, so he's not. Nice. <laughs> so uh, he, he he watched it, and he never watched his films, and he liked it. And um, say so I quite I thought it was all right. Um, you know, it's definitely worth watching. Um, it's a not just. I don't think you have to be somebody who's going to be a fan. I mean, I know nothing about the games, but if you, I don't think you have to be someone who's into the games to enjoy these from a, a sort of uh, an aesthetic technical sort of you know short um short action sequence you know adrenaline boost kind of uh, uh you know um angle uh, so i think you know but it, it, um, mm-hmm. certainly something that i would recommend to people who like watching short films and and stuff you know and action shorts in general action films in general um even though say it doesn't really develop anything but uh, but very very well executed. Absolutely, and you know on the sort of productions um, sort of production quality note, what is the one thing I always complain about with um, gunfights in in, short, in movies? Oh, the sounds of the, the sound effects. Sorry, yeah. and, and uh, what I was very pleased with was was the sort of you know the dynamics of the sound effects here, as you as you'd expect for something looking this good. Um, yeah. So, so you know, you, you can tell there's sort of distinctively sort of different weaponry. You know, they sound different if they're further away or if they're up close. Um, I, I thought the sort of sound design worked really, really well for this. We don't score the shorts, but we do recommend you check them out. This takes about five minutes of your day. You'll find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Ah. DTV throwback this week is bulletproof. Two criminals, Keats and Moses, end their friendship when Keats turns out to be an undercover cop and Moses shoots him. Many years later, the two are forced to work together again when Keats is assigned to protect Moses as a witness. I remember this one coming out. Um, I remember the trailer for it because it has that bit where, where he's singing in the shower. You know, singing the Whitney Houston song. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite amusing. Um, this has stood up reasonably well, I think, overall. Um, there are some good lines in it. You know, the action's not too bad and, and quite violent for, you know, what is basically a buddy com- comedy. Um, yeah, it, it was good to revisit this one again. Uh, how about you, Steve? Yeah, I've not seen it before, um, but it, I did enjoy it. It's a bit. Some of the comedies are a little bit, you know, such and go nowadays. Um, the whole Disneyland bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's quite interesting, especially when you find, you know, the way they play off each other and <clears throat> when you actually find out who the mole is, because that was actually quite surprising to mm. me. I, I, I honestly didn't see that coming. Um, and, you know, James Khan pops up for a few minutes as well. Yep. Um, always nice to see. Um, but, yeah, I'm not a massive Sandler fan. Um, especially, like, his, you know, his later stuff now. It's more like kiddie fair. This is more of an adult hmm. type of thing, you know, where I don't know if it's like going for the Eddie Murphy crowd or something like that, but it, it kind of like seems like an opposite 48 hours in a way, you know. There was, there was um, one one line that did make me laugh when he sort of said when, when he's watching the porn. Yeah, you know, he goes, "This is a seventies porno movie." Do you know how I know? Because because that guy's dick's got five birds. Five birds. So that was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah I'll, I'll be honest, it was more impressive than I thought it was going to be. To be fair, I didn't really expect much from it, but it's it, it's it's decent. Actually, I enjoyed it. I, mean, I I do like Adam Sandler's early stuff like Happy Happy Madison and you know the Wedding Singer, 
Mm. Um, the, the Water Boy even quite enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, not so, not so much Little Nicky, but you know, no. and and, I'm, and and you know, I've got a soft spot for the murder mystery ones he does with um, Jennifer Anderson. I mean, that's stupid, but but you know, it's a soft spot. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's he's he's got a license to print money for Netflix or with Netflix basically. Um, but he, yeah, as you say, his early stuff is a bit more sort of you know a bit bit edgier. Basically, so yeah, there's a bit more going on there, and then you got some, you know, Mark, is it Marlon Wayans or Damon Wayans? This is Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans, yeah, who obviously went on to be, uh, well, loads of things basically, <laughs> but most recently in the um, sort of Lethal Weapon TV series as Murtau. Um, yeah, he's 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 good in this as a sort of straight man. Enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so Rich, I'm I'm sure you've seen this in the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I remember seeing it when it came out, and I was I, it was one of my favourites from like the it was like it came out in '96. Mm. It's a '96 film, and uh, I re I I remember watching it quite a lot. Uh, I don't know if I ever owned a copy, but I do. I'm sure I've seen it. I've seen it several times, and I hadn't seen it for a long time. Uh, so it was good to go back and uh, have another look at it. And I definitely like it as much as I did then. I think it's really well made, uh, you know, like I say, very stock buddy movie. I think um, uh, Damon Wayans' brother Keenan did The Glimmer Man around the same time. Mm. You know, this was this was the time when everyone was basically still trying to do the, but I mean, Damon Wayans had made um, Last Boy Scout, not, not, you know, just a few years before. Mm. And in that one, he was kind of the comedy sidekick and this one, they've, they've shifted it around. And like you say, He's still doing that because he's done he's done um, the the lethal weapon series where they they've tried to they put him in that sort of role again. Um, I think it all just it's made by Ernest Dickinson, who I think is a really good director. Well, we've covered uh, a couple of his films before, haven't we? So so we covered yeah. Surviving the Game um, as another um, throwback. Well, we ha- I don't think we've covered it yet. We've talked about wanting to cover it. No, no, we did. But... No, we we've done Surviving the Game. Yeah, the Are the sure? IC one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember doing iced tea. And, okay. Uh, oh, I must yep. have been off then. Because <laughs> I, I know I've been wanting to do it, but it's not available on, you know, you can pay mm. to watch it, you know, but it's not available on any free services yeah, or anything. I did it a while ago. Um, but yeah, so that's a great one. Fantastic cast in that film. Um, he, 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 that was 94. Uh, then he did Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, which I'm not that fussed about. He does a lot of horror as well. I do so he, like did that. Yeah. he did Bones. He did Bones as well. Um, but really, it was kind of surviving the game and bulletproof, which were like his two big action movies, and that both of them didn't do that well. So, which is why they would say DTV. But um, so, bulletproof has got all the hallmarks of a big budget. I mean, it's a universal production. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah. you say, there's it opens with like big car. There's like a big car chase scene. We've got a big scene with an airplane and and um, lots of uh, you know. Uh, other stuff. What well, well, one thing I did pick up on, which I hadn't really noticed before, or didn't uh, think about, was Drive was also made around the same time. Oh yeah. And you know the bit where they go to the you were talking about earlier, but you know the bit where they go to the lodge, mm-hmm. and they sort of get in. You know, they 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 get to know the 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 owner. Oh yeah. And he gets drawn into the action, and they're like running around. He's really enjoying himself. You know, sort of. T- you know. T- um, because he's like, oh, they, these guys don't know these local landmarks and stuff, and you know, because that's when the uh, the the bad guys come and assault the building, and they've got to break out and all that sort of stuff. And I was thinking, there's a scene exactly the that's same right. as that in Drive, yeah, yeah. except yeah. Brittany Murphy is the one at the hotel and stuff, and it's like exactly, it's exact apart from the location change and stuff, it's exactly the same concept. And I was just saying, that's weird. I mean, it's the same year, pretty much, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd never know. I'd never really. Uh, that hadn't really jumped out of me. James Kahn's great. Um, we've also, I mean, there's other people in the cast that that it's always that I I like seeing. Jeep Svensson was a, he died uh, young actually, not long after making this. I don't think um, he's a he was a bodybuilder, uh, and his biggest role was playing. Oh, is he the henchman? Bane. Was he the um, James Kahn's henchman? Was he? James Kahn's henchman, yeah, and he was um, Bane in Batman and Robin. All right. So he didn't have any dialogue or anything, but he was no. the guy in the mask. So that I think he died shortly after that. Um, and say James Khan, he's really good. He say he's only short, but he gets involved in the action as well. 
and you can see yeah. it's like him doing it, which is cool. Um, uh, Adam Sandler, they don't try to get him to do the action. They actually acknowledge that. And so he's like, oh, I really should learn some stuff or whatever. They yeah. don't do, I guess, I mean, I can't remember what Sandler's done, uh, you know, elsewise in terms of action stuff. But, you know, like, it, you know, like the whole Kevin James sort of thing of going, yeah, yeah. no, actually, yeah. I'm going to be like the best fighter. Or, or Rob Schneider, when he did Big Sam, which yeah. actually works really well. Um, that's the similar kind of, I think, you know, that's a very sort of Happy Madison kind of film, the yeah. um, big stand, but Rob Schneider doing the martial arts and stuff, it actually really worked really well. They, they, they've got a good team involved and stuff. But in this case, um, Adam Sandler is definitely the guy getting beaten up. Um, and Damon Wayans can be both the, you know, because he is a comedian, comedy actor. He can do yeah. both the funny stuff and the straight stuff, and he can do it at the same time. So he's kind of doing a bit of both here. He's kind of moving between the two. And yeah. I think the setup, and I just think the whole thing has played out really well. The whole, all the setup stuff of establishing a relationship and the twist that happens. Yeah. And, I think that, that's um, one of the things that works. It spends enough time with them beforehand. You know? hmm. So, so, you, so you, you get to sort of see you know, the friendship. And, that. and the other bit I liked on that note was the fact that when, he, when he's debriefing his captain, about what's what's going to happen and that, and he's reminiscing mm. about what they were doing just beforehand, and he's giggling to himself, you know, because he genuinely likes him. And he's like, we find some funny and all the yeah. rest of it. So yeah, no, it was good. I enjoyed that. And some of the other actors I was mentioning. So we got Sal Landy, Zana Berkeley, Bill Nunn, um, and um, also uh, what's name? Monica Potter, who was uh, Nicholas Cage's wife in. Uh, Conair, she did a whole bunch of other. She did like a British romantic comedy and stuff around this sort of time. She, um, she, you know, she got some leading roles and then kind of disappeared. Like a lot of, like a lot of um, performance, really. Sometimes they, you know, see you see them a lot and then they're kind of not around much anymore. Whereas you've got others, and I think Chris is it Kristen Wilson who plays the the physiotherapist slash love interest. She was doing. She was. Um, uh, I think it was like. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like the old Dungeons and Dragons mm. and stuff. She was, she was, she was around quite a lot um, until, yeah. I'm just looking at her filmography. She's sort of her. She was around quite a lot in the uh, this time, and then towards the thousand, then she kind of disappeared. Um, her last credit is apparently Mega Python versus Gatoroid for the Asylum. So, um, uh, which uh, which diff very different kind of film. I, I would like to see that uh, to catch up she's got a very good presence but she, they don't really have a lot for her to do in this she's got a couple of really good scenes but that's about it but it, you know it's it's fast-paced this film is about what 90 minutes long mm -hmm. it's, yeah. uh, you know it, it doesn't waste any time um i think that you know james khan do is a bit like um there's a bit of a out for justice william sadler kind of thing going on where they, they where he has basically this catchphrase uh, and 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 they just sort of keep they keep bringing it back, like showing the clip on the TV. I think it's like and two cars in every garage. He's very much sort of he's a car salesman. So um, yeah, I think I think James Khan's really good. I think everyone's really good in it. As I say, it was a favourite then; it's favourite now. Awesome. Well, there you go. That is bulletproof. We found it on uh, Freevee. I'm sure it's available on other free, uh, free to view with ads services. Um, there is a sequel available on that service as well. Um, really? I haven't yet seen the DTV sequel, yeah. which, was, which was made uh, quite recently. Um, but uh, yeah, looks 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 dodgy as hell. But I will yeah, I will I will try and watch it. But um, yeah, it's um... two electric boogaloo. What's it <laughs> no, it's, it's just bulletproof two. Um, but the 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 idea, as I've read it, is that this in that move because these guys in the in the sequel look completely different and the idea is oh, bulletproof the bulletproof with adam sandler or whatever was a movie that was made on their lives and this is about the real characters so they're trying to do a little bit of a metal thing oh. with it and stuff so anyway i'm sorry i will give it a go ah, at some point well the thing is it's directed by don michael paul that's one of the reasons why i'm willing to give yeah. it a go absolutely and it's got Tony Todd in it, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, yeah, Don Michael Paul's a steady pair of hands. So yeah, awesome. Okay, um, as I said, yeah, we found it on Freebie. 
so you can find it too. I'm sure it's on other services, you know, free to view with ads. If you've got something like that, it'll probably be around. And that is the end of this week's show. So thanks to Rich and Steve for joining us once more. Um, enjoyable bunch of films. I, I did like um, That's a Wrap and The Bell Ringer. Um, what was the other one we did? Oh, Breath of Dracula. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. So, so there you go. Awesome. Okay. Um, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter or X at the DTV Digest. Also check out the short shots where Rich puts a new short on every evening around about eight o'clock. And is Bang. there one thing I can also mention on that point? Yeah, got it. Um, I recently guested on the director video connoisseurs podcast, mm -hmm. um, uh, Matt Poirier. Yeah. Uh, me and Matt, uh, sorry, Matt and I, I should say, um, discussed 10 short films, the, the kind of stuff that we've got posted over on Twitter and talk about on our, on both mm -hmm. here and on the short shots show as well. So Matt and, and I, uh, talked about a whole bunch of stuff uh, featuring uh, actors who appear in the reviews on his site, uh, people like Thomas Jane mm -hmm. and uh, Michael Madsen. So if, if you're interested in shorts and stuff, want to hear about, you know, hear what Matt and I have got to say about some of those, uh, head over to uh, the Director Video Connoisseur podcast um, and just generally just give it a listen because it's a great show. Absolutely, it is. Okay, thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.